How are you feeling? What, this morning or just generally? Well, both. Yeah, I'm good. I can't complain. Like, I'm not hungover at all, which is always a good thing. <laughs> but, yeah. What's it like uh, living on the utopian Channel Island of uh, Guernsey? It's actually not bad. This is, like, one of the few times where I've actually thought it's actually quite good to be in Guernsey. Yeah. Just due to, like, no restrictions at all. So I can just go out as I feel and do what I want kind of thing. So what's the situation there like at the moment? Is it basically business as usual, but you can't leave? If we leave the island, literally, we have to isolate for like two weeks when we come back. So we can leave the island, but it's not really practical to leave the island unless you want to sort of spend two weeks in isolation when you get back home again. But in terms of the lifestyle there, you can basically do whatever you want as it was pre-COVID. Yeah, pretty much. I can just, if I want to go to the shop, I can just go straight to the shop. Don't have to queue or anything like that. Just go straight in. Um, If I want to go to the pub, I can just go to a pub. We can just literally just what we want really and it's fine the offices is open again so we just go into the office quite different from the mainland of the uk oh yeah for sure our government's pretty much just like we have one case (laughs) don't worry about it hi i'm alan hill the nostalgic vagabond i lived out of a backpack for many years during my 20s and some 30s i'm less of a nomad these days in this podcast series i'm catching up with old friends Wonderful people I've met on the Traveller's Trek. And what better time is there to catch up, reminisce, and see how everyone is getting on in 2020? I hope you enjoy hearing about our journeys as much as we've enjoyed sharing. What is long-term travel? Why would someone want to travel long-term? If you wanted to try, how the hell do you actually do it? To be honest, there isn't really an answer for these questions. There are literally infinite answers. On this episode, my guest is Richard Ozan. This guy has done it. Richard travelled around the world for 15 months in his mid-twenties. Like other guests on this podcast, Richard and I met in a hostel in San Francisco in June 2009, just enjoying a cup of tea and talking travel. I also hosted Richard in Australia when I'd gone back home in the following January, but Richard was still on his epic journey. He experienced San Francisco Pride Week, 4th of July in Chicago, a traditional Canadian Thanksgiving, Christmas in New Zealand, New Year's in Sydney and the awesome fireworks display. He also explored Asia and some World War II wrecks in the Philippines while he was practicing his diving there. This is one way, Richard's way of long-term travelling, but your way can be however you wish. You just need to want to try it. You never know, this kind of independence and spontaneity might lead to life-changing revelations. Anyway, here's Richard's story. Yeah, well, Richard, I wanted to talk to you about when we met probably... It'll be about 11 years ago now. More than 11 years ago now. Yeah, 2009, summertime, around June it probably was. I actually found, because we met twice. That's true, yeah. Because I actually did do some writing, not until Jan... So I did actually find a bit on when we actually met a ridge or second time which is in january in camera exactly did you take a journal with you on your trip i did start writing a journal about from july time okay so i think it was like a few months in i was just like i think i had like a really bad day and i was like i need to write something down just sort of like yeah to put it down well, i started writing for actually this is quite a good way to kind of, sort of offload kind of like my thoughts and stuff 
Well, let's talk a bit about that, Richard. That's really interesting to me. So I remember when we met, we met in California in June 2009. Yeah, in San Francisco. You, from my memory, had sort of already been a few months into this massive global odyssey. Yeah. Can you uh, explain a little bit about what that was all about? Yeah, so basically I was 24 then. I was turning 25 in end of July. So at the beginning of that year, I decided that I really, really wanted to go traveling. I thought, if I want to go traveling, actually, the best time to do it would be before I turned 25, really. So I decided that <laughs> okay. I was kind of like, I wanted to start traveling before I hit 25. I was like, I don't mind if I hit 25 while traveling, but I was just like, I want to start before I hit 25, because then I'm like, I've kind of made kind of like a goal for myself, I suppose, in a way. Uh-huh. So I kind of organized to go. I thought, okay, quit my job, organized it. So I left in like, I think it was like March time, I think. March or April, I just can't quite remember. Yeah, and where'd you go to first? So you must have been to a few places before I bumped into you in June. Yeah, so I've been to, so I started in Miami, because I wanted to, so basically I decided to do America first for main reason that it was kind of like a place which had English speaking, and I was like, it's an English speaking place, it's generally like going to be easy to move around, so I was like, if I, for someone who hadn't done much traveling before that point in time, I thought, it would be quite a good starting point because I'd like mm-hmm. English speaking, good general network for getting around. And if I want to go home, it's not going to be terribly difficult to get home because I'll be like, yeah, I can just get a flight. So back. kind of like baby steps. Yeah, it was kind of like a starting point for me. So I was, I'd only really organized to America for, did three months or I organized like a trip in and a trip out of America. So I organized a flight into Canada from America because I was like, okay basically if i do decide that i don't like traveling after like i don't know three weeks a month or something like that i can quite easily just go i've got one flight which i'm missing fine done i like a safety net yeah i was kind of like didn't want to take too much of a leap so i didn't want to sort of like organize my whole trip and then lose loads of money when i decide that i can't actually handle it kind of thing okay so you weren't too sure when you first went on this global odyssey whether you'd be cut out for no, it you were... I was, it's, it, it was a new thing for me so i was like mm. i was I wanted to try it out, but I didn't know if I was going to be totally up for it or not. Or I'd literally just go mm. a month or two months in and go, I really can't do this. Because mm-hmm. until you actually push yourself, you don't really know where you are kind of thing. That's a very good point. And this was all solo traveling. Am I right? Yeah, pretty much. I obviously met yeah. people along the way, like you guys, William and mm. other people I met like mm. traveling with and sort of got like, trips here and there. Do you think if you had have decided to go traveling with a mate, then your thinking would have been slightly different about not knowing whether you'd be able to handle it or would it be the same? I think it'd be probably different. Uh, if I was going with someone, it'd be like, it'd be like a different experience because you'd be always with that person. So firstly, you have to know that you're going to be absolutely fine spending pretty much most of your time with that person. Mm. So you'd have to be very good friends and actually go, yeah, most definitely can handle our company all the time. But in a way, I kind of wanted to go on my own because more of a life experience for me, I suppose. No doubt. More of a challenge as well. Yeah, exactly. Also gave me more freedom. I could like, literally just go, I'm doing this. I wouldn't have to consult with anyone. If I was traveling with someone at that point, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm doing this. And they're like, oh, I'm not doing that. I was like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you came over from the UK into Miami. Yeah. I imagine you spent some time there. And then where were the sorts of places you went to after that? I started in Miami. Spent about... A week there so kind of just to 
acclimatize myself and generally sort of focus where I am and what I wanted to do next because I hadn't actually made really that much organization I kind of like noted down like I actually looked in my book which is what I did kind of like a lot of my organizing to begin with yeah uh, basically as kind of like I've obviously written down like a lot of things of like what I could do kind of thing and I've kind of wrote down like general flights and stuff like that so made some general organization mm. but I obviously kind of very much went on a fly of where to go so i kind of went for was this organization stuff you did pre-travel or once you arrived in miami um some of it was pre-travel some bits i was like i wanted to go there i want to go there but quite a lot of it was kind of made a like a basic idea but i hadn't really made any kind of um like how to get there so say for example i was like i went to um new orleans after that but when i arrived in miami i I had no idea how I was going to get to New Orleans. I, I had a think of, I think I may have looked it up in my like America book. I think I had at that point in time. I was like, New Orleans, that looks like a really interesting place to go. I was like, I was like, okay, I'm now looking to see how to get there and sort of <laughs> go from there. Really, I was just like, so I kind of just went on a fly kind of thing. So sometimes I'd make literally like a rash choice of like book a flight like two days before I'm going kind of thing. Most of the time, I was sort of like just go along and sort of try and organize as it went. So you had a couple of dream destinations or dream locations scattered around the place, but then you just sort of made it up as you went and was spontaneous. Was that I made correct? decisions as I went along, really. Mm. Did you find that quite a liberating lifestyle? Yeah, I quite liked it because it's very much, very much don't know what's going to happen next because, yeah, it's just making a choice as you go. Like I literally arrive in one place and go, this place is a bit crap, really. And then this was like, just go, I need to move on again. <laughs> yeah. So you were just completely free flowing and going on your emotion and how you were feeling in the moment. And that would determine whether you would stay or go. Yeah. At a certain point, like there's points where I obviously stopped and decided like I wanted to spend like time there. Like say, for example, like in Sydney, I was like, I want to most definitely do New Year here. So it's like, I'm going to make definitely stay for New Year. Mm and make sure I'm around. And was that something you decided once you arrived in Sydney or had you thought about I'd that I'd already before? thought about that. I was kind of, in a way, kind of following the sunshine, I suppose, to a certain extent. <laughs> so I kind of left Canada just as hitting winter and then went to Australia. So you were in Miami and New Orleans and what other places did you bounce in and out of in the US? So before I met you, I went to Miami, New Orleans, then to Texas, so to Austin and San Antonio up to San Diego, into California. Mm. Then I went into LA, and then into Vegas, Death Valley, and uh, Yosemite National Park. I think I did that. Yeah, that must have been before I met you. Yosemite National Park, then into San Fran from there. So you'd been on the road for a good few weeks by that time. Yeah, it's been about probably about two months, probably. No, maybe not two yeah. months, maybe a month, month and a half. Did you say by that time you were properly settled into the vagabonding lifestyle? Yeah, I'd say by that point in time, I kind of had my general kind of how I was, how to organize things, like my bag. I was like, was UK used to kind of like unpacking, packing back up again, and sort of yeah. traveling along with my backpack along the way. Yeah, I remember we had a long conversation because I think it was late morning when we met and I was just mooching around in the common room of the hostel and uh, just had a cup of tea and chatted with you. and. You gave me the impression that you'd kind of been doing this for a bit. You were just like chilled out, comfortable in the surroundings. Yeah, exactly. I think I'd been on the road two weeks maximum at that point. So I was still quite fresh <laughs> in terms of being in the US yeah. doing this kind of 
In a sense, I was doing the same thing as you. When I arrived in the States, I had a vague plan just for the first week. And then after that, I had a flight out of the States and anything in between, anything goes. Yeah, I ended up in San Francisco. I just took a cheap flight out of Las Vegas because San Francisco seemed like the next cool place to go. Yeah. Actually, Yosemite drew me to that city as well, because it was quite easy to access Yosemite from San Francisco. Yosemite was amazing. I really enjoyed Yosemite. So How long did you spend in there? I think it was about five days, I think. I was going to spend like three days, and I was like, actually, I'm going to spend another two days, because I'm quite enjoying it. Mm. And that's the brilliant thing about the traveling that you were doing, is you could be so spontaneous to just make a choice on the day, and it'll change your plan. Yeah, exactly. And going on your own, it also means you don't have to really go do you want to stay (laughs) you can just literally go yeah i I want to stay another day (laughs) rearrange your accommodations or your buses or whatever you're doing and and carry on yeah exactly after you were in san francisco did you just keep heading north up into canada uh so i did kind of carried on like a c shape i suppose so i did went into seattle i spent about a day or two there then I realized it was coming into Independence Day. I was kind of like, I don't really want to be in Seattle for Independence Day. So I thought I'll make my way to the other side of the country. So I made myself way into Chicago. Okay. So I pretty much like booked a flight, like very much on the fly. Cool. Which was quite expensive, I actually remember, because mm. it's kind of like one of those things where it's so late and also such a desirable flight people wanted. I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Go for it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> And to be fair, Chicago was actually quite impressive. It's like, and it's amazing, like how busy it was when I was there. Like Fourth of July was just epic, absolutely insane there. Yeah, I can imagine. I've been there a couple of times in in the summer, summertime, and when else was I there? I was there in November, so it was much cooler. Yeah, it's a totally different vibe. But yeah, Chicago's got a real buzz in the summer, hasn't it? Yeah, it was like, especially around Independence Day kind of thing, because everyone just goes to the lake. It's just like literally just a sea of people. Good times, eh? Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. That was most definitely quite a good time or quite a good day, I remember. I think I met met up with someone I'd met in Vegas as well who'd lived there. Was that spontaneous or had you prearranged that that would be possible? Um, I think I messaged her when I got into... Chicago may have done messages just beforehand and see if she wanted to meet up mm. and then like a few days later she's like yeah sure we'll meet up, meet up. so she showed me a bit around Chicago kind of thing and yeah it was she was a local person from Chicago yeah she is a Chicago person it's a good experience when you you meet somebody traveling and then you end up being in their hometown let's say yeah exactly. and then you get the free tour guide experience it's pretty nice isn't it mm. they can show you around and sort of like show you places which you wouldn't normally see because you wouldn't think about it totally but yeah i sort of and then i carried on going around to into washington so I did washington dc baltimore baltimore yeah i think i landed in baltimore okay so i thought might as well carry on to have it have a look around baltimore for like a day or two how did you find that experience? Because I don't uh, know if that's... I've been to there, but I wouldn't say that's a, a top destination. No, it wasn't. It was kind of more like, I'm here. I might as well have a look around. Yeah. Well, I've been just totally ignore why I'm here. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? It was all right. It was, it was one of those one places where it's obviously not remarkable, but it's like... It's real. Yeah, I was interested to see a few places in Baltimore, and I was like, yeah, okay, I've seen, seen it now. Let's move on. And then I went into... Where's it? Liberty Bell located? It's uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, I went to Philadelphia. You like Philadelphia? It was all right. Mm. It, was, it was quite funny. And I remember going to a pub there. Yeah. And literally, I was speaking to someone who had never left Philadelphia. And he was telling me how amazing Philadelphia was. And how 
they're nowhere else better. I was just kind of like, how on earth do you know this? If you've <laughs> never left. <laughs> Brilliant. Very patriotic Philadelphia person, eh? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was wow. kind of like, I don't, I don't quite know how you've managed to come to this conclusion. There was no convincing him, Richard, that you could tell, oh, you should go into New York City or you should try Chicago or nah, Montreal. Exactly. It's just like, no, nah, Philadelphia is a place. You're like, okay, fine, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. Yeah. Did you find that quite easy to do in America, just being a, a single backpacker rolling into your local you know, dive bar or whatever? Did you find it quite easy to strike up conversations with the locals? Yeah, sort of, obviously not all the time, but it's like if ever so often, if, it's all, if I happen to be so. Like, on like just a stool kind of thing, just at the pub, mm. and there's someone there. I might like spark a conversation with them and see if they wanted to sort of talk. Sometimes they obviously don't. They're too miserable to talk. Sometimes. Yeah, some you can normally tell though, because if you're like, "Hey, how are you?" and they're like, "Fine." <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Like, yeah, you're like, I get that's that's the end of our conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, Philadelphia, did you then head into Canada after that? I went to New York. New York City. Into Boston. Oh, right. And then nice. back to New York again. So I did New York, I went to Boston, and then back to New York, and then I went to... Um, Montreal. Montreal, yeah. I remember you were the person who told me about Montreal. Yeah. It must have been when we met again in Australia, was it? I think so, yeah. It would have been in January time when we met again. That whole New York, Boston, New York, Montreal, I mean, I've been to all those places a couple of times. And to me, that seems like an epic trilogy of cities to be hitting up in a small space of time. What was your experience of that? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed, like, it's quite interesting to go from city to city. Like, New York is super busy all the time, and, like, nothing ever stops. Mm. And then you head into Montreal, it's almost, like, totally opposite. Where it's just, everything just slows down. It's a very, like, calm city of, sort of, like, a lot of easygoing people that's generally found. And what time of year were you... Were you there? Was it like August or something? This is August time, yeah. So summer's sort of... I do remember it being a heat wave in uh, Montreal when I arrived because they don't have actually air conditioning units in Canada because they don't really need them most of the time. I just remember the hostel being swelteringly hot. Mm. I was like there in my dorm thinking, where's the air conditioning unit? Do you remember which hostel you stayed in? Oh, I can't remember now. I'd have to... I'd probably have a picture of it. I probably could actually find out even. Hold on. <laughs> From so, your book? <laughs> from my book. I don't remember Your journal. Things. Because if you said you started journaling in July, then yeah. perhaps you would have mentioned it in your journal if that was in August. I think I may have done home. Let's see if I can find it. I hope you got dates on there. I have got dates on that. So, uh, Sophisticated. <laughs> who would have thought I'd been this organized? Actually, I've done one better. I've actually named where I was. Nice. That's also helpful. <laughs> that is also pretty helpful. Oh, you're in Montreal. So I stayed in. Alexandre. Oh, yeah. Apparently, Montreal. Yeah, I know it. You know it, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's where I stayed. That's actually a really good hostel. I actually enjoyed it there. Very, very relaxed and sort of met some really good people. Did you stay there for a while? I stayed there for about five, six days, I think. Five, yeah, probably about five, six days. So that was your Montreal experience was about a week? Yeah. Okay. Did you find it expensive? Um, a little bit expensive. I don't totally remember it being expensive, but I don't... It feels like quite a long time ago as far as like... I think at that point in time, I wasn't really worried too much about cash either, to be fair. I was still very much in the beginning of my holiday. So I was kind of like, this is still absolutely fine. I can pretty much spend to a certain point whatever I want. Just need to make sure I'm kind of half aware of spending. Keeping your budget daily spend in your mind, eh? Yeah. I think the whole holiday cost me. How much did it cost me? I can't remember. I think I'd saved about like 26 grand or something like that. Pounds? Yeah. Jesus. Well done, man. That's a, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's kind of one of those things I was like, I've got enough money to either buy a house or go traveling and have a really good holiday. I was like, 
I'm going to go traveling. Nice. <laughs> Love it. You must have worked your ass off to be not even 25 and to save that much money, man. That's good work. That job I was doing then is like a generally decent wage, but also because there's so much work going on, I did like loads and loads of overtime as well. Yeah. So I was just like saving quite a lot of money because of how much extra work I was doing. And at that time in your life, you were very content to just work and save for the possibility of either getting a mortgage or going traveling with that, that savings. I don't know if I'd had any real plans for that point in time. Like, I sort of like to save some money up. I thought, well, actually, I've saved quite a good money. So I think when I originally started saving, I probably was saving for a house kind of thing and thinking I probably could actually buy a house. But then I was like, actually, I could have a, like a life experience instead, especially because at that point in time, I was also not totally sure if Guernsey was going to be my destination of choice as far as things, as far as living is concerned. Mm. What do you think about the idea of people when they're around 25 having like this quarter life crisis moment? It seems like for you and also for me, I would think, but at the similar time, I don't know if it was when we were sort of coming out of the global financial crisis as well. But I remember in my mid 20s, I was so confused about what I wanted to do, where I wanted to settle, what city I wanted to work in, whether I would want to travel, whether I want to settle down. I was like, what the hell's going on? And I ended up going traveling and you ended up doing the same thing. Yeah. I don't know if that's because we're both blokes or we sort of have a similar personality, but it seemed like that mid-20s age is a, almost like a crisis point. What, what do you think? Um, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I think it's, it's a point where you start thinking about like the next stage of your life, I suppose. Mm. Like before that point, so like, I personally felt like before then I was a much kind of like, still growing up to a certain point and then you hit like start hitting the 20s this is the point where i should probably be making like adult decisions <laughs> uh, you, it's get to a point you're like i have got to make a choice at some point like this is i've been working i mean so obviously just like working and not really worrying too much or going out getting drunk of most days kind of thing as you do when you hit like yeah. 19 20 and then 20 so like when you hit like start hit mid 20s i think it's for the point where you go I should probably start thinking what to do next. I, am I going to live here or am I, should I look for somewhere else? What am I going to do with my life? Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a decision point really, I suppose. Yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. I'm just curious because I, I come across a lot of people around with mid-twenties, even these days, you know, I bump into people of that age still. Yeah, there just seems to be a lot of angst about what they're going to do. And you can always blame it on the situation, like even now during these COVID days, if you're in your mid-twenties. I mean, getting a job's probably a weird situation or even keeping a job is a weird situation right now. Yeah. And then the thought about buying a house, especially in the UK, is almost impossible, you know? And then traveling as an alternative right now, well, <laughs> it's, uh, it's difficult. Exactly. Uh, traveling is most definitely not a thing now. Hence this podcast. Yeah. I've been quite fortunate, really, because I have actually managed to get myself my yes. house now as well. You were able to do both, Richard. You did your traveling. And now you've got your gaff as well. Yeah, well exactly. Done. Exactly. Managed to, managed to get both. But obviously, you've worked your ass off to achieve that. I have, I have no doubt. Yeah, I've been obviously working hard to get everything. And obviously, I don't own it for oh, the idea. Yeah, yeah like most people. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of questions about your North American experience. Would you say you have a favorite destination or a favorite location from North America? That was obviously a place I enjoyed going to. Like, like I really enjoyed Yosemite National Park. That was really amazing as far as getting out into the wilderness and mountains and stuff, which I don't have in Guernsey at all. That was quite a good sort of 
generally sort of getting out and sort of going hiking and seeing views from like yeah. up there. Death Valley was pretty interesting. I only spent a few days there, but it's actually quite interesting place to see something again unique from your experience, I suppose. Yeah, it's so desert-like kind of thing. It's sort of literally just you go from Yosemite and then you go just a few miles the other way, and there's Death Valley kind of thing. Actually, it's amazing how contradicting this kind of like terrain is in just fifty hundred miles kind of thing. Um, but yeah, was, there's a few places I've quite enjoyed. Like San Diego is pretty good. That was a very kind of relaxed kind of area. Yeah, I enjoyed San Diego as well very much. I spent Fourth of July there actually. When you were in Chicago, I was in San Diego. Yeah, we we went in the <laughs> opposite directions. Maybe slightly different experiences as well. I do remember actually arriving in San Fran because for two main reasons. One, I found out it was Gay Pride weekend, and then I'd also worked out that Michael Jackson had died. Yeah, it, like it literally, is it that is. I was kind of like just checking into the hostel. I was kind of like, why is it so busy? It's like, it's Gay Pride weekend. It's like, oh. And then I saw the TV going, Michael Jackson's died. It's like almost in the like 10 minute period. I just remember those two bits kind of how cars cemented in my mind. In fact, we may have talked about that because I was in Yosemite literally days before I met you. And when I was in the park, I went on a, a bus tour slash hiking, walking tour with about 13 or 14 different people. And yep. I think the second or, or last day, I was only there for three days. One of those afternoons, the guy was chilling in the bus, listening to the radio. He just, he, got, he went, oh, wow, Michael Jackson's just died. And so when I came back to San Francisco is when I met you. And so there was, yeah, just carnage going on. So we probably had a little yeah. debrief about that just with our cup of tea in the, on the couch. <laughs> exactly. It was quite a sort of major event happening. Yeah. After your North American experiences, it was what? That was August, yep. September. So September, October, November, December. You got four months before you came to Australia where I saw you again. So where were you before? I arrived in November. I arrived in Australia. So I okay. did two and a half months in Canada, Montreal, and then car took like a 12 day car trip into kind of like up Cape Verde to Fort, where is it? Cape Breton. So you rented a, you rented a car? Yeah, I rented a car for 12 days with somebody I met in Montreal. So they also wanted to go traveling. I was just like, I think it was, because I'd just hit 25, I could actually get the car yes. cheaper than if she drove. So basically I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll be the designated driver. So I drove the whole thing, except one bit where I pretty much almost kind of was doing so much driving, I almost fell asleep. I was just kind of like, yeah, you're going to have to drive. <laughs> Did the dodge, but no, nothing went untoward. So that's good. No, but it was, it was quite a good trip though. I did like several probably did like a thousand miles or something like stupid like that in like 12 days going all the way up the past Quebec city and into kind of Cape Breton sort of that area. But it was a really good trip. And then went to the other side, sort of flew or went to kind of see yeah. Niagara Falls and stuff like that. And then after Niagara Falls went to the other side, which was Jasper and Banff Lake Louise. Banff, yeah. I actually took a, like a bus tour up there. So that was pretty good. Was this September? It's supposed to be about September time, I'd imagine. So yeah. were, were the leaves changing already by then? In Calgary, it had actually, where I arrived, it was actually snowing. Because I remember I arrived there as a car, like, and they're like, it never gets this cold this quickly. I was just like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. <laughs> crazy place, Calgary. But yeah, it was like a snowstorm. I think I was the, I think one of the few times I decided to do hitchhiking. I was like the coldest day so far. I was just kind of like, this was a poor choice of hitchhiking. So where did you hitchhike from? Uh, I think I was hitchhiked from, I think it was Calgary, I think, up to, it wasn't that far. I can't remember where I went to. 
but I just remember it being incredibly cold. Yeah. But you did get a ride eventually. Yeah, I had to get two rides because one was like yeah. only going partial way I went. So I was like, oh, I got so far and then forgot out and then <laughs> went back and out cold. And got did one. you have enough warm clothing with you being, you know, doing your summer? I did have quite a lot of warm clothing, lucky enough, because I thought for, like everything with me because I wasn't sure because I thought I'm going to hit like right. loads of seasons as I go along. But I thought it didn't look that appealing to pick up considering I was there probably yeah. in as many clothes as possible. <laughs> So just with a hood over me as well. Like, like, looks well no, done. Pick up that guy. <laughs> so the, after you were up in the, the mountains, did you head down into Vancouver? Yeah, I went to Vancouver. That was really good. I actually enjoyed Vancouver. I did meet someone there actually as well who I'd met in my first Australia tour, which mm. I did when I was like 21. And they were a Canadian person or spontaneously they were there? Yeah, so here's a Canadian person. I did like a like a mini holiday when I was 21 for like 20 days 21 days kind of thing, which is kind of like my first kind of taste of holidaying and deciding or Kentucky tour kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like an organized thing. So quite different from this trip. That was kind of like, hey, I wanted to go on holiday. No one else could afford it. So I was like, I can't afford it. So I was like, I'm going to take this. Mm. And I thought I wanted, because it was very much not experienced in holidaying, I thought I will get like a tour, which will be, I will have to do pretty much nothing because most will be organized for me. Which is what you pay for. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's like my first holiday away, really. Yeah. And did they give you like the motivation to go back to Australia again? That continued Yeah. So I was kind of like, I'd done like part of it as a car, but it was a very, very quick tour. Eastern seaboard, I imagine? No, I did. So I did the, it was like a full one. So I started in um, Darwin, went all the way to Uluru and then got, and then from Alice Springs flew to Cairns. And then all the way, went all the way around to yeah. Sydney. That would have been an expensive Kentucky, I can just imagine. I think it was quite expensive. It was pretty much like one of their top end ones. I was just kind of like, but I was like, yep, I'm getting that one. Nice. I mean, it's probably one of the most geographically interesting, to be fair. Mm. Because, but also the distances are huge, which is what, why the cost would have been higher. Yeah, exactly. It was a really good trip, though. I did enjoy that one. I was, was kind of like my first holiday without like family and stuff like that, really. Yeah, so was uh, Vancouver the, the place that you left Canada and kept going west, I imagine? Yeah, so Vancouver, I got, I pretty much spent a few days or spent probably like a week or so there. I remember spending the Canadian Thanksgiving there nice. because I actually managed to, as like someone else I met in Montreal, I managed to contact with and he was just like, oh, I've come down for Canadian Thanksgiving. So I went down, so this person I met in, in Montreal was traveled to Montreal then back to Vancouver, so he has living in Vancouver. Cool. And his, well, it's actually, he's living in Victoria, which is the island. On the island, yeah. Which I did go to as well. I nice. traveled around that for a little bit. And you had an authentic Canadian local Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, exactly. That's ace. Yeah, I've managed. So basically they invited me down. I basically had like pumpkin pie kind of thing. And then I was like, I stayed the night there. Kind of. Awesome. But yeah. That's brilliant, man. That kind of stuff won't happen on a Kentucky tour. No, exactly. It's, it's very much on the fly kind of thing. Like, I can't just sort of message him as I was like, I'm in Vancouver. Do you want to meet up? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I was like, just come down. I just went down there and it's just like, yeah, you can stay the night and make you some food and stuff. It's like, cool. Canadians are so nice, man. They're super hospitable. It's amazing how, yeah. how much they are. It kind of puts us to shame sometimes as like a, an Australian culture and I think even a British culture, how, how they've, they've sort of come from the same seeds, but they just seem to be so much more relaxed, friendly and hospitable to strangers. I don't know. Yeah. I'd say Canada's most definitely like a very relaxed car place. They're not, they're most definitely not uptight in any way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely, man. Where'd you go after Canada? So I went down to Australia after that. 
when I originally went to Australia, I had actually made a plan to arrive in Australia around like October, November time, I think is when I arrived. Um, and my original plan was pretty much go over and find a job kind of thing and get some more money back up so I could just keep on going. Did you have one of those work holiday visa things? Yeah, I bought a work holiday visa. So I was kind of like already there. But in my mind, for some reason, I thought I'd pretty much land in Australia. I'd be like, I need a job. They're like, yeah, sure, have a job. There you go. Not like that. <laughs> but when I arrived, it's like everyone else was looking for a job. I was just kind of like, this is not going to be quite as easy as I had in my mind. Yeah. This is probably not going to happen. So I kind of looked for a job for like a month, month and a half car thing. Right. Then I was kind of like, nah, I'll just carry on going. Yeah. Luckily, you had the, the finances to continue without worrying too much. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Were you in Sydney looking for this job? Yeah, I was in Sydney. I think I went down to Melbourne as well to look for a job. Wow. So I went to Sydney for a look for a job. Couldn't find one. I thought I'd go down to Melbourne for a bit. No good. Have a look for a job. Then there's like nothing there. <laughs> or there were jobs. I was like, ones are like really, really crap ones. Like selling insulation door to door and stuff like that you can like one of those ones where they're like yeah we don't actually pay you uh, basically you just get commission off each thing you sell i was just kind of like i could quite possibly just do a whole day of work and get absolutely nothing yeah. for it yeah. <laughs> so you made the decision to just blag that and then just use more of your savings yeah so at that point i was just kind of like okay not gonna work so actually in between that point in time so when kate went to australia and i'd also organized to see my sister in new zealand as well so I went to see, for Christmas time, I went to see my sister, mm-hmm. which was quite good. She's still in New Zealand? Yeah, she lives in New Zealand still. She's got like a family out there. That was quite good. So I managed to get a... So there was another couple of flights you had to take? Yeah, there's still loads of flights. Carried on going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I sort of car made like a mini trip on my Australia trip just to go pretty much to see my sister in New Zealand for Christmas. And then I went back to Australia for New Year. Sydney for New Year. Yeah. yeah into melbourne then i met you yeah so you came to visit me in january it was probably probably mid mid january or something like that yeah so probably when i left sydney i guess yeah because i was in canberra at the time i was doing a course and i'm very curious richard did you come to canberra because you really wanted to or was it because you could catch up with a mate and then see canberra as well oh it's, it's kind of like when i arrived it's like oh i'll catch up well and see what he's doing and he's just like i'm in canberra so i was like yeah i could go there yeah, why not? Yeah. So I was kind of yeah, like, well, that's about the response. Yeah, I could go to Canberra. <laughs> what was your impression of Canberra? It's kind of like it's it's kind of one of those one places which it's most definitely like a functional city rather than a interesting city, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're probably right. It's very organised and very planned and very structured and maybe lacks a bit of personality, maybe. Yeah, or it's it's got most definitely not got like the same kind of up persona as like melbourne or sydney you wouldn't go sure. no what i'm gonna go to sydney and spend a few months there you wouldn't go i'm gonna go to canberra and spend a few months there it's a lot smaller too than yeah it's very different i mean there are some nice things i do quite like some of the the landscape and yeah there's some interesting architecture and some interesting museums but i do find it quite homogenous and i did live there for a while and you know there were some lovely people there but I also tolerated quite a lot of stuff that mostly just the sameness of the place, which I, I prefer more cosmopolitan. So I did, it did great on me a little bit after a while. Actually, after you came to meet me there, I only was there for another two months maybe. And then I bailed. <laughs> You're like, that's enough. <laughs> I've never been back. <laughs> no, just thought, actually now I've enough of this place. Yeah, so you came to see me in Canberra for, for the night and um, I sent you off because I had to go to work. I think I had to go to work the next day and I sent you to a few museums. Yeah, stuff. that's right. And then we 
kind of caught up once you finished work kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I think we went then, I think it was like coming up to a weekend. So we spent like a weekend together kind of thing and just all yeah. traveled around and had a look around Canberra, which was really interesting. Quite happy to be the guide. You know, that's part of the deal sometimes when you meet somebody on the road and you come to their city or they come to your city, it's a really nice opportunity to show the local perspective. Exactly, yeah. How much longer did you spend in Australia before? Did you go to the Philippines after that? Yeah, went to the Philippines after that. So pretty much how I remember it is I was in Melbourne. I just finished, I think the Australian Open had just finished. I went to see the Australian Open for tennis. Brilliant. Uh, I was nice. like, yeah, I was really, really good. I actually enjoyed that. I actually found the Australian Open book in my, I actually unearthed my, box of world trip stuff in preparation for this podcast yeah oh wow you got a book that's labeled my trip <laughs> yeah so a bit awesome. of pretty much i just got loads of crap in here i thought oh, i should unearth it sort of generally speaking just getting the nostalgic frame remind of mind. myself about it <laughs> yeah so i found my old passport nice several other things like my travel books and just general crap <laughs> and, your, and your journal some yeah and my journals yep yeah brilliant man he went to Melbourne for the um, Australian Open. Yeah, my brother lives in Melbourne now and he tries to get down to the tennis open when it's possible. And yeah, it's a really great yeah, buzz exactly. down there, isn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed it down there. I just remember being down there and not finding a job and just going, Australian Open just finished. I was kind of like, okay. I was kind of looking at my funds because at this point in time, I had been probably about a year traveling, I guess. Nice. So I was kind of like, actually, I'm not that rich anymore my money has gone down <laughs> quite a lot i was kind of like if i stay in australia i'm gonna have to be stingy as hell sort of pretty much cutting down on what i do and probably do so at that point in time i was just kind of like i'm gonna have to leave australia because i can't possibly afford it so I've, i went to perth from melbourne and then from perth i then flew to philippines yeah how long did you stay in perth uh, it was only like four or five days. Yeah. Do you find that quite expensive as well? Perth was quite expensive. I remember it had a snow, uh, hailstorm when I was there as well, which was like the first time in like 20 years, apparently. Really? Yeah. And then uh, I guess going to the Philippines, was that a decision based on the fact that you really wanted to go there? Or was it kind of Philippines is a cheap place to live for a bit? Or you like the culture there? Pretty much. I was just like, I got to a point where I wanted to go somewhere cheaper. I also wanted to try some, somewhere totally different. So I've been to very much Western places. You push yourself a bit more. I thought I'd actually quite like to see Asia. Yeah. I was kind of looking at, looking through places to get, go in Asia. So I looked at Thailand. I was thinking, oh, I don't really want to go to Thailand because that's where everybody goes. Mm. I was kind of, in a way, getting a bit sick of tourists in a way, which is kind of a bit ironic in itself. But, <laughs> but I was kind of like, I just want to get away from tourists. There's too many. So I thought, actually, Philippines looks quite a good choice. It's like... It's like, it looks like a really interesting country. So I bought like a tour book kind of thing and looking through things. I was like, yeah, there's most definitely some place I want to see here. So I kind of decided I want to go to the Philippines. I remember the first thing I just, I think I got ripped off several times because when you land in a country, you just don't quite know what things should be charging and what you should be doing. So like first time I pretty much just gave like most of my money to the taxi driver, which I had in cash. And they're like, I knew I kind of ripped off when I was like, I don't have that much money. I only have like 800 or something like that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I was just like, yeah, I've almost basically paid more than yeah. I should have done on that You one. become a target <laughs> sometimes in those contexts, don't you? So yeah. you can make mistakes and get ripped off. But I imagine you learned very quickly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like after like a day or two in the city kind of thing, you start realizing what things should be costing mm -hmm. and how much you should be paying for things. As a local, even though you are richer than most people, 
you will probably pay an inflated price sometimes, but there's still a reasonable difference, isn't there, before you get ripped off? Yeah, exactly. You'd be paying, obviously, a tourist rate to a certain extent, but there's a tourist rate, then there's pretty much you're being <laughs> blind. Yeah. And probably best place to do is probably people landing because they just don't, don't really know what they should be paying. So they're like, yeah, yeah, this is a 400. Like, yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. How long were you in the Philippines for? About a month and a half in the Philippines. So I actually really enjoyed it. I actually got myself a extended visa when I got... So I got, went there for 30 days and then I extended it. Basically, I really enjoyed it, but I didn't like Manila. So basically, as soon as I got out of Manila, it was actually a really, really right. nice place. And did you go to a, a few different places or did you base somewhere and just soak it in? I went to quite a few different places. I did... So one place I spent quite a lot of time was Quran. So I did some diving. I have got a paddy, but I haven't, I've used it for a little while, but I was diving back then quite a lot. So I haven't dived for like three years, I think, before then. I pretty much was like, I haven't dived for three years. Can I go straight into diving? And we're like, yeah, sure. That's fine. <laughs> we're like, okay, cool. So I basically just did like six like, shipwreck Beautiful. dives, yeah. which are pretty amazing. Yeah. It's one of the best places in the world for that, isn't it? Uh, I think it's one of them, yeah. It's, it was quite a lot of like Japanese sunken ships mm-hmm. from obviously World War II. Yeah. Uh, did you see any aircraft down there as well? Um, no, I don't think I saw any aircrafts. I saw, we went through the ship, so which was quite impressive. Through the hole, in and out? Yeah, so there's like... It's like Titanic ones stuff. Which car, like, <laughs> yeah, so you kind of went through and kind of could see like uh, cargo and stuff they were carrying. Wow. But it's quite impressive. What was the level of rust like on, on the metal? It decomposed quite a lot. It's like 30 meters down, this was, right. so it's quite deep as well. Yeah. But you can still make out quite a lot of stuff, even with the corrosion. Yeah, it's, it's still, you could most definitely tell it's a ship, but obviously... Th- uh, things that started growing on it and stuff like that. So it was very much, the sea was starting to take it back, mm-hmm. but it was still very much a ship. Did you see any interesting wildlife down there? Oh yeah, there's loads of fish. Mm. Um, I also went to, I can't remember where I went to now, but I saw a whale shark in one of the places I went to. I can't remember what it's called now. Donsaw maybe. Is that one of the really big ones? Yeah, that's like the largest shark. That was actually really impressive. It was, I did get a video of it at the time. It was just like a really, really rubbish video of me showing pretty much just like a small miss of whale shark and me trying to swim up to it or keep up with it. But once it gets going, it literally is like, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> How close did you get to it? Actually close, obviously not like super close, but it, it was quite close. We got like a good image of it. But then when it started swimming, it's kind of like literally just went kind of thing. Yeah, it's so much power in those things. Eh? Oh yeah, they go so fast. Wow, that's cool, man. So the, the highlight of your Filipino experience was the diving, was it? Diving, I'd say, was probably up there, yeah. I went to see the rice terraces as well, which was really, really impressive. So I was like very much urban Philippines. So it was quite interesting to see somewhere kind of so different from like the city. What was the food like, mate? I actually really enjoyed food in the Philippines. It was very much like is fresh fish cafe. Fish was like a lot of what they had. Which is similar to what you used to in Guernsey? Um, I suppose Guernsey is very much English food, really, to a certain extent. Okay. So th- there's not any more cod and chips or any less cod and chips? No, no, we still have cod and chips and <laughs> standard stuff. It's The yeah. shops are pretty much exactly the same as what you'd expect in yeah. England. <laughs> What was the um the favorite meal there? I, I, I used to work with a Filipino and uh, he used to have adobo. Adobo, a yeah, I had adobo. adobo. Yeah, do you like adobo? That's all right, actually, yeah. That's kind of like, it was like pig, I think. Pig's ears or something I remember it was like quite a, a saucy meat dish with rice. Very yeah. like uh, comfort food, home food. It was tasty. Yeah, I remember that. I quite like the it's like fresh fish kind of rice dishes because you have to very much, they like, it's like spicy fish dishes. 
and the fish is actually really fresh because it's just come out of the sea basically mm. and i imagine very cheap too yeah because super cheap that's was one of the reasons why i left australia yeah. <laughs> need, need to get my pricing down so did you basically run down all your savings in the philippines and then went home that went to philippines then i went to malaysia okay big week there spent a few days in singapore where i where i originally landed and then my finishing trip which i'd already decided on was i want to do some snowboarding so i was like i'm gonna go down to new zealand so i went back to new zealand and did previously i went to new zealand just for christmas just to see my sister so this time i went to new zealand to carve i suppose finish my holiday off and see my sister and obviously do some more traveling and see the rest of new zealand basically in the winter in the winter time yeah which obviously is not christmas in the southern hemisphere no this was like june july kind of area when i arrived wow I can't believe you still had money left, man. That's epic. <laughs> you did really well. So you, you, you did your, your Philippines, your Malaysia, your Singapore, back to New Zealand, basically spent your money till the end. And then home. And then went back to Guernsey. Yeah, exactly. I kind of was looking at it going, okay, I've now got like a few grand left. I'm going to have to get my actual flight home. From Auckland? Yeah, I think I went from Auckland, yeah. Auckland to Heathrow and then and into Guernsey. I yeah, exactly. Wow. How many months in total was this massive odyssey? 15 months I did. 15 months, man. That's pretty serious. Have you, have you met many people who have done longer since than that? Uh, I've met people, obviously, who are living in different locations. I'm out having one or two people which had been traveling longer, but I haven't met that many people who've done over a year, I don't think. That's quite a long time. I'm, I'm impressed with anything sort of over six months of constantly sort of just moving from place to place. But over a year and into two years... It's epic, man. It's, it's a good job. Yeah, I was generally quite happy with what I'd managed when I got back home. I was just kind of like, actually, that was a really good year. So I pretty much did my whole, whole of my 25th year. I kind of spent traveling. Brilliant. I got back home about a week before my birthday. Are you able to think back to the kind of person you were before that 15 months and then the kind of person you were when you arrived back in Guernsey at your 26th birthday? Yeah, I think I'm probably was a more confident person when I came back just due generally due to kind of pushing myself out to actually meet people so I think probably beforehand I was very much had my group of friends but probably didn't really kind of try and branch out too much beyond that I guess when you're solo traveling you're forced to be more outgoing otherwise you're not oh, exactly. really meet anybody are you no, it, like that's like quite often I went to some, like, as you know, like, there's some hostels are really, really good for meeting people. Yeah. Other places you sort of turn up and you can like almost know instantly that you're going to meet no one there at all. The vibe's crap. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, Richard. Yeah. 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 But you get, you get kind of used to that, sensing that with the more traveling you've done, right? Oh, exactly. Like some places have better, better kind of vibe and others like quite often I'd look on hostel world, whatever it is and sort of look and see what their kind of general reviews were like if they were like yeah it's it's absolute rubbish kind of environment wise you kind of like well maybe i could try and go for one which is kind of a bit better and especially ones which you quite often went for ones which kind of did events kind of thing so yeah a good way to meet people yeah it's quite often like quite a lot of hostels do kind of like pub nights kind of thing and mm. games nights and yeah i think i remember was it san fran or was it Seattle. I think Seattle I arrived in and literally just finished a 18 hour bus trip, which was pretty bad. <laughs> I arrived in a hostel and they're like, oh, you've just arrived for curry night. I was like, 
that's the most amazing thing I've heard in a day. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just luck out like that, don't you? I remember I arrived in Riga years ago and it was only about 9am or, or 10am in the morning and I went to the check-in and this local Regan girl, she said, welcome, welcome to Riga. Here, here's a shot of balsams. I was like, uh, it's 10am. She said, yeah, but when you arrive, you must have a shot of balsam. So I had to have this local liqueur. <laughs> Boom. Uh, checking in? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's your starting point. Yeah, I mean, it's probably random, but that's the kind of uniqueness and just chilled out vibe that I love about certain hostels is this oh, is exactly. what they do, the, this is how they play, and this is the experience that you're going to have. And it's unique to the hostel, the city, the culture. And yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, not, it's not like a chain hotel where it's always the same all over the world. Every place can be unique. Oh, exactly. Like I've been to quite a lot of different hostels. Like I remember one in Mount Cook, which was very much a very small hostel. And there was only like six of us there, but it was very kind of cozy kind of thing as like, I just remember fire being on because winter time. And we're like all just chilled in the kind of common area, all like six, eight of us kind of thing. Like a cabin, like a cabin vibe. Yeah. Was, is this New Zealand? Yeah, it was in New Zealand. This was... In South Island, but yeah, it was quite quite a chill time. That's great, man. Fast five. Five quick fire questions require five quick fire answers. My guests must answer five random questions about traveling without thinking too much. Yeah, are you ready for the fast five? Ricky? Yep, go for it. So, question number one: night or day? Day. Question number two: solo or partnered? Traveling solo. Question number three: hot or cold? Hot. Question number four: bus or train? train question number five google maps or paper maps google maps nice fast five five, 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 five. i I like how you paused on the solo or partnered solo travel (laughs) 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 just to clarify yeah yeah, that that was funny i like that (laughs) traveling wise prefer to go especially if you're doing like a big trip it's most definitely i think better to go solo just because you've got more freedom personally speaking i'd say for hot and cold, I'm very much kind of, I like both, so it's very difficult to say. Yeah, well, I mean, it totally makes sense, but it's, it's interesting because you said in the podcast earlier that you wanted to chase the sun, so that kind of makes sense to go with hot, doesn't it? Yeah, but then I did go snowboarding at the end, so yeah, yeah. I did for winter time. <laughs> yeah, we're all full of contradictions and we're a complicated human yep. beings, but yeah, that's great. I remember I saw on Facebook years ago that you'd purchased a boat. I did purchase a boat, yeah. Do you still have the boat? No, I got rid of a boat when I bought my house. I basically was one or the other, really. So I decided that when I bought my house, I couldn't really justify owning a boat anymore because boats are quite expensive to maintain. So I was like, literally, thought, I've got my house. I'm going to have to put money to my house now. So I got rid of a boat. Is it fairly customary or, or is it fairly typical for people who live in Guernsey to have a boat? It's not unheard of. Like, it's not, say huge huge investment like i can get a boat for like a few grand mm. like a just a fishing boat kind of thing i think my boat cost me about four grand something like that but is there like a a, a boating culture because you're living on an island yeah so there's quite between... a big boat i'd say there's quite a big boating boating culture like it, it's one of those things where i would quite like to own a boat at some point but i now think it's probably not going to be really worthwhile buying one until i've probably retired to be honest just because boats are one of those things where you're spending a lot of money on the boat doing nothing sure yeah, and now that you've got a house, that's another investment that also does cost money to maintain, doesn't it? Oh, exactly, yeah. 
Have you had any um, particular experiences traveling on the boat, say cruising around the Mediterranean or, or going into France or, or, or somewhere else? On the boat, when I had it, we mainly, I mainly use it for fishing or going to the small island, which is off Guernsey called Herm, which has about 50 odd people on. But it's quite, an, quite a nice chilled island. That's pretty much more mainly use a boat for. Okay. But it was quite good for fishing. I quite enjoyed fishing, spending like a day fishing on the boat it's quite relaxing it almost feels like you're in like a different kind of air world and just separated from the island to a certain extent so you enjoyed having the boat but again something to look forward to in your retirement eh? yeah exactly it's, it's it's a choice i had to make i was just like well i can't justify a boat so i got rid of it where was the last place you traveled to before covid uh so i did snowboarding in france in december okay so not so long ago just before all this really kicked off yeah so is i pretty much went there just before christmas time so i just started my new job um, and i went on holiday to chamonix i did uh, like a week there and do you have any ideas or vague plans once all this is over yeah so i think i might try and go snowboarding again actually so i was considering maybe trying to get into Chamonix maybe again maybe January time if I can or maybe somewhere else in France it, it's going to be one of those things where it depends where both England and also France are currently virus wise basically safe yeah and it wouldn't be much fun if there's so many restrictions going snowboarding the experience would be very different oh yeah exactly it's one of those things where if I can go I'll go I don't mind coming back home and then having to isolate as I can actually work from home anyway. So it's one of those things where I'm not totally sure when I'll next be away, which I'm sure probably similar for you, really, isn't it? Just got to make peace with it, eh? Yeah. Keep an eye on what's going on and plan. Plan as much as you can. And then hopefully when things clear up, those plans can come to fruition. Oh, exactly. Have you got some ideas of where you want to go? Yeah, I've got some ideas. I'm going to have to go back to Australia next year because I've got a wedding to go to. But I'm formulating plans kind of in a way similar to your big plan where you go around the world to stop off in a few places along the way but have specific yeah. points that you must go to yeah and then a few options or just make decisions along the way be your spontaneous and go there for a bit just to check yeah. it out you know so i've got a plan that i'll just keep going east from london and then obviously into australia and then just keep going east back to london mm. uh, as, as something different okay when I go to Australia this time. So yeah, it's a matter of just thinking about a few things, but obviously it's still very early days. It's going to be very much going on where the situation of where different places are as well. Exactly. I mean, this wouldn't even start until next summer. So there's quite a lot of time to hopefully allow COVID to die out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or then finding some way of improving the chances kind of thing. I mean, I'm going to go regardless, but hopefully if it's a bit more like it used to be, the experience will just be better, I think. I don't really fancy having to live or having to travel in a situation like we are in now, where lots of things are closed, lots of things operate half capacity. There's so many restrictions in where you can stand, what protection you need to wear. I mean, it's fine. I'll do it if I have to, but I'd rather not. It's going to most definitely dampen the general traveling experience. It's not going to be anywhere near as good because you'd be like, well, I want to do this. But like, well, you can't. Yeah, it's going to be very testing and trying time. So fingers crossed that we can see the other side. And, and I'm, 
I've made peace with waiting until then, yeah. and I think everyone else has had to do the same. Oh, exactly. So it's, it's hence hence we talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things you can't really change it. It's it's happened. Like in Guernsey, we're quite lucky because we haven't got many restrictions at all. But obviously in the UK and stuff like that, it's a lot more restricted. And but again, you said like you're kind of trapped on the island. Oh yeah, yeah, we're kind of trapped on the island. It's most definitely get take a holiday is going to be quite difficult, basically. So best uh, that you get along with your neighbours, eh, Richard? Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I ask this to all my guests on the podcast is, can you offer any advice about travelling from your experiences? Don't plan too much in advance, I don't think, probably. If you have too many plans, I think you end up missing stuff out because of where you want to be. Mm. If you don't plan too much, then at least you can make changes to your ideas as you go. Great. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks for listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond. My guest has been Richard Ozan. There are more episodes in this podcast series where you can hear other interesting stories from different travellers. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me at The Nostalgic V. Thanks to Tom Forfa for creating the soundtrack to the series. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time.